You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Proverbs chapter 28 is where we'll be. Proverbs chapter 28. Let's make sure our cell phones are on silent, please. We'll read one verse in Proverbs 28. I feel like I should say something before I begin. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't. I have preached many, what many people would call hard messages recently, especially over the last couple months. A lot of reproof, a lot of rebuke. And if you don't think that I've noticed, I have noticed everyone. I meant what I said when I told you when I preached on the heart of a shepherd. It seems like some might think that I enjoy preaching hard messages. I meant what I said when I told you I enjoy it about as much as a shepherd would enjoy fighting with a lion. I would rather not. And I feel like I could tell you this now over the past couple months. I prayed often to the Lord that he would give me different messages, but he would not answer my prayer. I preached what he told me to preach. I'm not saying I've done everything perfectly. I'm not trying to put any blame on the Lord for mistakes that I have made. I certainly have not done everything perfectly. Just to say that the Lord told me to preach it does not cover everything that happens behind here, and you understand that. But something that I want you to understand as a church as we look forward here is one thing about hard preaching is it brings, it brings things to the surface that need to be brought to the surface. When you turn up the heat in the pulpit, it brings up dross to the surface that needs to be purged out. If you're right with the Lord during a hard message, just sit and smile and thank the Lord that you're right with him. If you're wrong, hard preaching is going to do one of two things. It's either going to get you right or it's going to get you out. Now, I certainly don't like the latter. You see me up here screaming and red-faced and out of breath, running back and forth, preaching against sin like a a wild man. You don't see me up at 3 and 4 in the morning crying for those who have left the church. But today I want to say... For the first time in a long time, the Lord has given me great peace that I can be a little different. Now, we're going to address some things, some things that I believe are important for us to get right before next week. And I ask that you would listen. I'm so thankful that you all are here. I love you very much. I show that love in different ways sometimes. Sometimes I show it by yelling and warning, and rebuking. Other times I show it just by telling you that I love you, and I hope to be able to do that tonight. 
Proverbs chapter 28. I'm in Joshua 7. My goodness. That's all right. Verse 13. Let's read it all together. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Oh, Father, when we pray to you, we believe that the one who bends his ear to us is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who parted the Red Sea and hung the earth upon nothing. The one who made the Garden of Eden and formed man out of the dust of the ground. The one that carved the Grand Canyon and sculpted the mountains. The one who flung all the stars, the trillions and trillions and trillions of stars out into space and you call them all by name and yet you hear us and you love us. Lord, we're praying to that God who keeps covenant and mercy, not because of us, but in spite of us. And you bless not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness that we have in your son. We're thankful for Jesus tonight. And we ask that you would help us to examine ourselves to make sure that we are right with you. Holy Spirit, please have free reign throughout this place. Convict us and help us not to leave here the same as we came in. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How many of you have an imagination? Okay. You're going to need it tonight. a long time ago, three, maybe 4,000 years ago, a man is standing at the entrance of his family's tent. Do you see him? It's night. Stars are out. He's not standing on the outside of his tent. He's standing on the inside. He doesn't want anybody to see him, and he's got just enough of his face outside of the tent flap so that one eye can see what's going on. The moonlight is outlining the tabernacle that sits in the midst of the Israelite camp. Two tents down, a mother is sitting with her children, crying, weeping uncontrollably. There's a group of soldiers standing around her and the children, doing their best to console her and them, but they're crying also. They didn't understand what had happened that day. But the man standing in the tent knew exactly what had happened. I don't know what you're picturing, but maybe on the other side, there's another row of tents. The Israelite camp was crowded. And across from the lady and the group of soldiers and the children, a group of people were arguing. Arguing about what they thought was the cause of what had happened that day. One thought it was because of this. Another thought it was because of that. Tragedy had taken place earlier that day. 
Another several of the people in the group thought it was something else entirely, but they couldn't come to an agreement. But the man in the tent knew what had caused 36 Israelite soldiers to die earlier that day. It was just then that a group of people ran by. Joshua is making an announcement. He wants everybody in the midst of the camp. The man's wife from behind him said, that's strange. Strange for Joshua to call for an announcement that's this late. She thought it was strange. But the man in the tent knew why Joshua was calling for a meeting. Within the hour, all of Israel, which is no small task, all of Israel is gathered in the midst, as close as they can get. The crowd is speaking softly individually to each other, but it's still deafening. It's millions of people talking, some crying, some questioning, all of them wondering. After what seemed like forever, Joshua stood before the people and began to speak. And thanks to the wonder of Scripture, we know exactly what he said. Now, I don't want you to turn there. Some of you know where it's at. I don't want you to turn there. I just want you to listen. Joshua said this, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. What do you think the crowd did at that point? Gasped with horror, I'm sure. How long does it take to settle down millions of people? In that entire time, the man from the tent's heart pounded in his chest. Joshua continued. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. The man's hands begin to shake. His heart beats faster and faster. He can't be talking about me. He can't be talking about me. But it's the next phrase from Joshua that shakes this man's world. It shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath. Because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. The announcement's done. Because there's no containing the crowd now. Panic. Sheer panic. Who is it? Who would do such a thing? The man from the tent knew exactly what was going on. 
but he tried to convince himself that nobody knew. How could anybody know? Nobody saw him take the wedge of gold from Jericho. Nobody saw him take the Babylonish garment. Nobody saw him take the silver. And how could those three small things cause so much trouble? Surely Joshua must be talking about something bigger. Idolatry or adultery or leprosy in the camp. But not what he had done. His wife stands behind him. Aiken, what's going on? The kids are scared. His wife didn't know. But there was something under the tent. 36 families were grieving the death of their husband or their son or their brother or their cousin, their uncle. They didn't know. But there was something under Achan's tent. Joshua had spent the whole day in prayer and mourning with God. He didn't know. But there was something under Achan's tent. How do you think Achan slept that night? In the morning, the process began. The Lord has taken the tribe of Judah. That's Achan's tribe. It can't be me. It can't be me. It must be someone else. More time passed before the next announcement. The Lord hath taken of the tribe of Judah the family of the Zarhites. That was Achan's family. God can't be coming for me. More time passed before the next announcement. The Lord has taken of the tribe of Judah and the family of the Zarhites the household of Zabdi. That's Achan's household. But in all that time, Achan told himself, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And just keep your mouth shut, and it'll stay that way. He was wrong. Man by man, and his time came. And he sits before a very tired and a very heavy Joshua. And he hears Joshua say, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered, what he had been hiding for days. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils of Jericho a goodly Babylonish garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, of 50 shekels weight, 
Then I coveted them and took them. Behold, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Messengers ran to the tent. The accursed things were uncovered. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had and all Israel stoned him with stones and burnt them with fire. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. God takes sin very seriously. God takes hidden sin very seriously. You can turn to Joshua chapter 7 if you'd like to see the story. In fact, I invite you to do so. I have two objectives tonight with my message. Two objectives as we look forward to this year, a new year that God has given us. Two objectives as I believe we have a desire for God to speak to us, not on Sunday when the revival begins, but tonight. Two objectives certainly with the revival in mind, the revival meeting in mind. We saw the Lord meet with us in a mighty way last year. Brother Dusty's right. Last year is last year. I don't want to live on last year's grace. Two objectives as we seek to have victory in Corpus Christi. Objective number one, I want you to look under your tent. And then number two, I want you to give glory to God and I want you to make confession to him tonight for whatever you find under there. I don't know. I, I can't point a finger and accuse. Now, we're all sinners. Chances are, we all got something under there. But I want you to look under. I want you to examine. If you find nothing, don't get proud. That's only the grace of God in your life. There was a preacher who used to stand outside of his church in the 1800s, back when they used to hang people for their crimes. And the route from the court to the noose went right by his church. The pastor's name, we'll say, was Joe Smith. And with everyone that went by, he would scream out, there goes Joe Smith, but for the grace of God. You hear what he's saying? If it wasn't for God's life, that would be me. Or God's grace in my life, that would be me. So if you find nothing under there, praise the Lord. If you do, dig it up. Because as it was told Israel 
on that cold night so long ago. I'm telling us tonight also, we cannot stand before our enemies while there's an accursed thing amongst us. There can be no victory without purity. God can't speak to our hearts when our hearts are hiding things under our tents. Even now, maybe you're thinking, surely he's not talking about that one thing. Nobody knows about that thing. That small thing. Nobody knows that I do that. Nobody knows that I say that. Nobody knows that I think that. That's the tough one. Nobody knows that I watch that. Nobody knows that I go there. Nobody knows that I withhold that. Nobody knows that that's hidden under my tent. God knows. When something is under your tent, God knows it's there. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 15, 3. God knows it's there. You'd be ashamed and embarrassed and afraid if your spouse knew it was there. You'd be ashamed and embarrassed and afraid if your friends knew it was there. Or if your kids knew it was there. Or if your parents knew it was there. You'd be ashamed and embarrassed and afraid if I knew it was there. Or if any one of the church members knew it was there. If what was under your tent was shown up on these screens right now, for all to see, you'd be ashamed and embarrassed and afraid. Do you have no shame? Do you feel no embarrassment? Do you have no fear that the same God who said, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, knows it's there? He knows it's there. When something's under your tent, God knows it's there. When something's under your tent, you know it's there. You put it there. Nobody else put it there. You can't do with God what people try to do with the police. Oh, this is my friend's tent. I'm just borrowing it for tonight. <laughs> you can't do that. The officer got a kick out of that one. How often do you hear that one? Oh, these aren't my pants. <laughs> when something's under your tent, you know it's there. You're thinking about it right now as I had to think about it when I was studying for this. We know when something is under our tent. When something's under our tent, God knows it's there. We know it's there. And we know it's wrong. When something is under your tent, you know it's wrong. But like Achan, you try to tell yourself that it's not wrong enough to make such a big deal about it. It's not wrong enough to cause such a big problem. How could three pieces of, of spoil taken out of all of Jericho's treasury 
It was an enormous city. Imagine the walls of Chicago falling down and saying, go, go. Everything that is of value, take it, and it's for the Lord. Who would miss one suit, a handful of gold, and a handful of silver? Who'd, who'd miss that out of all the spoils of Chicago? That's what, that's what Aiken's thinking. So we think, how could my little bit of gossip hurt the church? How could my inner bitterness, nobody else knows about it. Well, it's written all over your face. We're starting to get the hint. But how, how can your inner bitterness, how can my inner bitterness cause such big problems? How can what's under my tent affect what is over the camp? How can my personal online activity hurt my family? How can my secret flirting at work hurt my family? How can the apps on my phone stop victory from coming to a church or to my family? How can my unchained thought life do that much damage? You know what Jack Hiles called this? An empire where there is perfect freedom. That's why the, Lord, the Bible says we are to bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Unless you cast your vote and elect a warden for this, it runs rampant and does whatever it wants. You can think whatever you want. Nobody will ever know. You can flirt with whoever you want. You can talk to whoever you want. You can see whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And nobody will ever know. God knows and you know. How can my lack of Bible reading be so destructive? How can a lack of prayer bring any harm? We have a, we have a praying church. Why is my voice so important? And remember that Samuel told, told Saul, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. The omission of prayer can be just as sinful as the commission of some of the greatest sins. How can the TV shows I watch stop God from working? How could the books I read stop God from working? I really don't see how what is under my tent is such a big deal. If you don't think it's such a big deal, why are you hiding it? You're hiding it because you know it's wrong. And we hide it because we know if people knew it was there, it would bring damage to us. But what we don't think about, all we think about is if that's uncovered, it will bring damage to me. You need to think as long as it's covered, it will bring damage to others. What was hidden under Achan's tent caused great physical damage. 36 soldiers lost their lives that day at the battle of Ai because of his sin. What was hidden under Achan's tent caused great emotional damage. Look in verse 5 of chapter 7. The very end. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. How do you think the 36 wives were feeling without their husband? 
What about the hundreds of children without their daddy? What about the thousands of family members without their loved one? I want you to think of the devastation that came upon thousands because one man had something hidden under his tent. I have seen strong marriages thrown into chaos because one of the spouses had something hidden under their tent. I have seen thriving families start to sputter and slow in their growth, and it's because one of the family members has something hidden under their tent. I've seen youth groups that were once strong hit what seems to be a wall because one of the teens has something hidden under the tent. I've seen churches that were thriving and going and growing start to hit a spiritual lull because one of the church members or the pastor had something hidden under his tent. But they told themselves, surely my one thing wouldn't stop all this. If it's of God, it's of God, right? And it won't come to an end. How can what I'm into cause that much of a problem? And the people caught in the middle are frustrated and discouraged and confused because they don't know why things are becoming so difficult. The one who doesn't have anything under the tent is wondering, why is, why is my marriage going through this time? Why is my family going through this time? Why is the church going through this time? Why are my friendships going through this time? What, what's going on? What, what happened to my friend? And great damage results. When something is under your tent, it will cause damage. I need you to understand that. When something is under your tent, it will cause damage. It can cause damage to many. One man spoiled the unity of Israel. One man. One man spoiled the victory of an army. When one member suffers, the whole body suffers. He told himself, it's private sin. But private sin causes public damage. If it's bad enough to hide, it's big enough to hinder. And if you don't think it's so bad, then don't hide it. If you're going to hide it, it must be bad enough. And if it's bad enough to hide, it's big enough to hinder. I spoke to a pastor two weeks ago. And by the way, this isn't the only church that's dealing with spiritual battle right now. And this isn't the only preacher who has noticed recently it's been a lot of hard messages. And this much older, much wiser, if you knew, if, if I called his name, you'd know who he was. And I'm tempted to do it because I know you would, you would take what he is about to say with great respect. I'm going to ask you to trust me and respect it. This is from a very wise older preacher, and he said this. He said, Johnny, I wish we had the ability 
to play the phone calls that we receive over the speaker of the church. I wish we could have our people hear the screams and the wails of the families as they scream, oh my God, what have I done? Oh my God, what am I going to do? What have I done? What have I done? Screaming at the top of their lungs. He said, I wish we could play it for people. When what's been hidden under the tent gets exposed. And make no mistake about it, when something is under your tent, it will be uncovered. God will not allow sin to remain under your tent. Be sure your sin will find you out. You and God may be the only one who knows about it right now, but it will not be that way for long. I promise you, be sure. But you think God hasn't uncovered it yet. Are you going to take that as a sign that he doesn't know it's there? No, he knows it's there, right? He knows it's there. So we can't take that as a sign there. God hasn't uncovered it yet. Are you going to take that as a sign that it's not sinful enough for God to uncover it? If you don't think it's not sinful enough for God to uncover it, why are you covering it? If you don't think it's sinful enough for God to uncover it, why do you think it's sinful enough for you to cover it? So we can't think that. But God hasn't uncovered it yet. Are you going to take that as a sign that God's letting you get away with it? Or are you going to take that as God in his mercy is giving me time to uncover it myself before he has to? God knew what Achan had done immediately. Brother Matt, what, what, do, you, what do you think? From the, from the conquering of Jericho to the gathering of the spoils and, and then distributing it and make sure it's stored properly in, in God's treasure house to then moving on from Jericho and, and then the battle plans for AI, which, I mean, there weren't really battle plans. They were very prideful at that point. I mean, all, uh, how much time are we talking? Days, conservatively. Weeks, probably. A, a month, possibly. You have no clue. But God knew exactly what Achan had done immediately. Achan was one guilty man among an entire nation. Now for us, that's like searching for a needle in a stack of needles. For God, it's as simple as, it's Achan. That one. Judah, Zarites, Zabdi, Achan. Why didn't he do that? Why did he wait until after the defeat at Ai 
And then why did he say, I want you to make an announcement tonight about a process that's going to happen tomorrow morning? And then why did he institute a process? Again, he could have said, tomorrow morning, I'm calling the man's name. He didn't do that. Tomorrow morning, here's the process. Call the tribe. And then once you call the tribe, then you're going to call the family. And then after you call the family, you're going to call the household. And then in the household, man by man. Why did he do that? Why take all of that time when God so easily could have said, it's Achan? Was that not for Achan's sake? Was that not to give Achan enough time to come forward on his own? And I believe, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it with all my heart. Had Achan uncovered his sin before God uncovered it, this story would be one of the brightest stories of God's mercy in the entire Bible. I believe it. How can I be so sure that God would have forgiven it? How can I believe that with all my heart? The same way I can believe it and the same way I can be so sure that God's not going to let you keep anything under your tent. If I can be sure that God's not going to let you keep anything under your tent, I can be sure that he'll forgive you if you uncover it. How? He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. It's the same God. Now, wait a second. But Joshua had already said before the process, he said in the announcement, whoever it's found with, stoned, burned. That doesn't give a lot of incentive at that point. Oh, it's me. God told Jeremiah in the potter's house, at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. If that nation, against whom I have pronounced evil, turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto it. At what instant? I know God would have forgiven Achan because he said he would. Now, maybe your argument is, well, Jeremiah is much later in the timeline. And God was just starting to reveal himself. And he was setting some pretty strong precedents. In Numbers chapter 15, you have an old, an old man who they were just, well, they were told recently, you are, your generation is not going into the promised land because you, you disobeyed, so your generation is not going in. So you have a man who thinks in Numbers chapter 15, well, if I ain't going in, then I'm not going to follow the commandments. Why would I follow the commandments if I'm not going in? So he goes out and he starts gathering, I think, gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And God says, stone him. Just because you're not going in doesn't mean you're not my people anymore. You still need to act like my people. God was setting some pretty strong precedents. So if somebody wants to make the argument that was revealed about God's character all the way to Jeremiah, because remember, not very long before this, Moses didn't know enough about God's character. He had to look at God and say, God, I, I don't even know if you'll be able to forgive this, and if you can't, blot me out of your book. God had not revealed that part to him yet, and in the, in the very next chapters, 
God had to tell them the Lord is merciful and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy. He will not at all, not by all means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the third and fourth generation, but I am a lot more merciful and long-suffering and gracious than you think. So maybe we'll take that argument. So how then can I know that God would have forgiven Achan had he uncovered it? There was another person standing in the midst of Israel on that night when that announcement was made. Her name was Rahab. She is the only one, her and her family, that made it out alive of Jericho. And that woman had committed sins over and over and over again that if any of the Israelites would have committed, they would have been stoned immediately. And then the stone set on fire and then uncovered and then stoned again and set on fire again. And yet she is standing there. Rahab lived because she uncovered her sin. Achan died because he covered it. Achan was a thief. Rahab was a harlot. Would anybody argue that a harlot was a little bit more intense than a, than a thief? Oh, I understand only men, but you, you, you know what I'm saying here? Would anybody argue that? And yet Rahab lived. Achan died. What was the difference between them? One uncovered her sin and God covered it. One covered his sin, God uncovered it. The only reason Achan was taken was because confession was not given. If confession was given, Achan would not have been taken, but he waited to confess until it was too late. And when we follow Achan's practice, we will not escape Achan's punishment. I'm not going to take you out next door and stone you, but the Lord will punish you. All around this world, Achan's are taken every day. It doesn't have to be that way. You and I at this moment have an opportunity, perhaps our last opportunity, to uncover our sin before God has to. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just telling you to do something. Look under your tent. That's it. Look under your tent. You know if something's there. God does too. And he's working even now to uncover it. If he hasn't uncovered it yet, it's only because he wants to give you time to do it yourself. Be sure your sin will find you out. Whatever is under your tent will be uncovered, either by you or by God. So what do we do? I'll be in the conference room after service, and you will confess your sins to me. Thank God, no. We go to our high priest, Jesus Christ, Amen. silently in prayer. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, I believe that God has victories for your family. I believe that God has ground for our church to conquer. 
I believe God has enemies for your marriage to slay. I believe God has treasures for your family to obtain. I believe God wants to bless this church. I believe God wants to meet with us in every service. I believe God wants to change and strengthen us during the winter revival next week. But none of that will happen. It cannot happen when something's under our tent. You will never find yourself a victor when something is under your tent. You will just as soon find yourself under a pile of rocks. Don't be the one who stops victory from coming to your family, to your church, to your marriage, to your friendships, to our soul-winning efforts, to our revival time. I have been in revival meetings where God's presence was so thick You dare not open your eyes. And that was not last February. What happened last February was special. I've seen him move much greater than that. I've also been in revival meetings where it was dead. And it's not because God had taken the day off. I believe Something was under the tent somewhere. If if there's something under there, give glory to God, make confession to him. Before God will ever bless us, our tents must be clean. Either you can clean it or he will. So uncover it. You cover your sins and God will uncover them. You uncover your sins, God will cover them. Nobody covers sins like Jesus. Nobody uncovers sins like him either. Uncover it before it hurts others. Uncover it before it hurts you. Uncover it before God does. Uncover it and live in victory again. Uncover it and obtain God's mercy. Uncover it and have a good relationship with the Lord again. Do so for Christ's sake. Now, I just told you the other day, I want us to use the altar more. Now, engage the pride factor of humanity. If I walk forward after a service like today, okay, here's what I'll tell you. I don't think it should matter. And I don't think that people coming up here, oh, something's under their tent. Juicy. I'm not thinking that, and neither should you. Maybe they're just looking. David David prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is there something I'm missing? That very well could be what it is. But I'll tell you this. I'd rather you stay in your seat and do business with God than to come forward just for sake of coming forward and do nothing. But I do want you to look under. And if you find anything under there, dig it up. We're about to have our Lord's Supper service. I want you to partake, knowing that you're right with him. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.